Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new edition of Wired In. I'm your host, Blake Johnson. Co-hosting here with me is, as usual, the wonderful, legendary Spencer Coles. Spencer. straight. <laughs> the humility is strong with this one. How are hey, you doing, Spencer? I am the most humble person that I know, all right? Uh, well, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to refute that, you know. There is no one more humble than me. That's that's true. That is that that is that is true. <clears throat> yeah, see, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's it's been a minute since we've done this show. You know, we've uh, yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, it's it's one of those things you just get busy with life, and you're like, oh, there's there's a show to do as well. So we're back here <laughs> once again, and. There's plenty of things that we want to get into, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's oh, yeah. it's going to be a jam-packed show today. I'm I'm excited to talk about what's been going on in both the just the world of uh, <laughs> dementia, well, world. dementia-ridden <laughs> presidents, and uh, with entertainment oh, and God, man. and yeah. video games and movies, and we got pretty much all all the areas we're going to cover today. At least we'll try to. But uh, if you would make sure and Give us a five-star rating and review on whatever podcasting app you like to listen to us on. We're on pretty much the major ones like Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, Breaker, um, I think CastBox maybe. I'm not sure. But uh, Overcast I think is one. But just give us a five-star rating review. Let everyone know what you think about the show. And be sure to spread it around to uh, all your friends and family that like to listen to great podcasts. And uh, before we get into or real meat of the show um just to kind of give a plug to a different show i was recently on the sure idc podcast which stands for sure i don't care and uh hosted by uh, i don't know if you remember him or not but he went to cvo with us lucas dahlgren oh yeah uh, i am um, i actually i actually caught a little bit of your guys's uh, podcast oh, yeah it was really good yeah, yeah. I think I was you guys. On... Um, I think you guys spent like at least whenever I joined in, you guys were chatting about Spider Man. I think. Yeah, that's um, what the podcast was about. Um, it was posted like a week or two ago, I believe. But he had me on, and we just talked about the Spider Man movies from basically all three different actors and what we thought about each one and how we ranked each actor and movie, that kind of a thing. And it was it was a good podcast. I enjoyed talking about it. You know, Spider-Man's probably my favorite superhero, and so when he asked me to join in, I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So if you would, just give that podcast a listen, Sure IDC, and I believe it's on the same platforms that our show is on, and yeah, definitely uh, definitely think he's got a good thing going on there with his show. He likes to talk about just pretty much any random thing that comes up. I think he did a horror podcast for Halloween um, that was pretty interesting, so... But yeah, that's uh, that's what's been going on in my world. What's been going on in your world? Oh, not a whole lot, man. I've uh, been, man, I've, I've been over these last few weeks. I've been kind of been hitting an editing stretch. I've been like, uh, I like dropped multiple videos like back to back to back. So just kind of like chilling your, out for a, your YouTube channel. It's it's growing. I've I've been noticing the numbers like you know, consistently nice. consistently get up there. You yeah, know? it's um, yeah, it's kind of like a, you know, it, it dips up and down, but it's you know, it's it's getting there, you know, it's it's doing its thing, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, between that and and just in fall stuff in general, I've been, you know, pretty busy. So. Nice. But nothing too insanely out of the ordinary, you know. 
Well, I guess I guess I should take this opportunity to generously promote your YouTube channel known as Going Off Script. I think we've talked about it before, but yeah, that's I, I've I've watched quite a bit of your videos, and uh, I've I've you uh, you you like to go against the uh, the popular narrative on on certain things. I've noticed, which I'm sure people listening to this well, podcast like, are completely purposely. completely surprised <laughs> yeah. that you. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but it's it's good though. I, I know you're not you're not saying it just to say it. You actually yeah. you know you, you believe these things, but it's it's been interesting to hear your perspectives on different uh, shows and and movies and such. So. But yeah, definitely, definitely check out that YouTube channel as well. I and mean, we'll put a link in the description of this podcast if you want to check out that or the podcast I was on and, and all that good stuff. So We'll definitely have links posted down below. So. Yes, yes, we will. Promotions galore for all the good things in life that you have been missing out on. plugs, man. Yes, yes. Now, speaking of critiques, speaking of reviews on... TV shows and entertainment. I I kind of want to start off by I don't think we've we've talked about this before, but I want to start off by talking about the newest the newest addition to the Disney Plus family known as Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We just wrapped up finishing WandaVision a few weeks ago and we've kind of given our thoughts on that and I know you've given more in-depth thoughts on it on your channel as well. But we've I don't think we've talked about falcon and the winter soldier at all because it, it's it only just finished its second episode Pretty recent, i believe i think it only it's only been out for like what the past couple of weeks now yeah it just did its second episode mm. and i believe they're only doing like six or seven episodes for this because it's meant really? to be it's meant to be more of like a like a feature film but in on on a tv in, like, format parts? yeah mm, okay yeah, so it, I mean, it definitely feels like that if you've watched it. It definitely seems like you're watching a Marvel movie each time you, you know, you watch it. And so, you know, we've we've just finished the first two episodes, and I know we've we say this every time we talk about a show like this, but spoiler warning: if you've not watched it, you know, skip this section, come back later after you've got a chance to caught up. But we've both watched both of these episodes, and uh, you know, I I have to say. This is probably the one that I've been looking forward to the most because I've been really interested in seeing where they were going to go with carrying on Captain America's legacy. And in the current Marvel Cinematic Universe of movies, Captain America is probably my favorite of the movies they've they've made. So I've been really interested to see yeah, where they would... It's pretty up there for me as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. where they would go with Bucky and where they would go with uh, Sam and, you know, how that all would take place. So um, what are your... What are your thoughts so far um, overall on the show? Are you are you happy with where they're going? Do you think it's going in a better direction than WandaVision? Because it, it definitely feels to me, it feels more like a traditional Marvel kind of format, if you will. It's not as it's not as out there as WandaVision as far as like each episode taking place in a in a sitcom, you know what I mean? So it, yeah, it's it definitely, definitely feels it, more like familiar territory. Um it definitely is more familiar territory. I would say the first episode I was really on board for the most part with with some quirks and things uh along the way, but uh overall I thought the first episode was pretty compelling. Um I would have liked to have seen more of Bucky in the first episode, but 
but I get it. There hasn't been a ton of there hasn't been a ton of material established with Falcon in the MCU, uh, really. Uh, yeah, comparatively to all the other characters, so it makes sense. Um, second episode was a little bit more strange to me, um, particularly with the way they introduce um, again spoilers, but uh, with the way they introduce John Walker, mm-hmm. um, I I think having him introduced in like a just a random exposition dump, uh, just seemed a bit lazy to me. I would have rather had had. I would have rather have had like at least like part or like half of an episode to flesh him out a little bit more, so that way we kind of get more of a um, kind of more like a civil war dynamic where you kind of have this like where you have attachment to both John Walker and you know Bucky and Falcon and you know they're but in the plot line they're they're ideologically clashing and you're like the viewers kind of presented with this um this dichotomy this like you know um. This ultimately like this this kind of uh, tension more or less of like oh well <laughs> you know I have three essentially like three characters that are at odds with one another and like I I, th- I think they could have done another really cool dynamic uh, pulled something off really cool with the dynamic on that um, but it's it's not like egregious or anything it's just like um, I'm just I'm just worried that when it pertains to John Walker as a character they're just gonna rely on more of these expo- exposition dumps than rather than like rather than actually fleshing him out over time but um but yeah i'd say like overall though the plot like is pretty interesting the like especially with the material for bucky uh he like i think bucky is like really the character that seals me in for uh mm-hmm. Because, because uh, again, they they really address you know the the so like some of the survivors' guilt and like also the PTSD um, and and stuff the PTSD like that. from you know having him carry out all those um, operations and stuff like that and um, so yeah, the, I'm for the most part I've been enjoying it, but there there's there's been some quirks along the way. I'm just I'm worried that it's gonna. Get, I'm just I'm just really worried because again, Wandavision had a really strong start and I. I know I'm quite in the minority on this, but I actually thought the beginning of WandaVision was a lot stronger than the uh, the ending of WandaVision. So I'm I'm just worried that uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is gonna follow that same trend. But so far, it hasn't really. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we've shared our differences on on WandaVision, though. I I certainly understand where you're coming from with the latter half. Um, and actually he just reminded me of something that I wanted to bring up on, on this related to that. But before we get to that, um, as far as my thoughts, I, I, I think I agree mostly with what you say, you know, because I loved the first episode for much of the same reason that you said, I, I liked seeing the, the struggles with PTSD that Bucky was going through. And it it reminded me of civil war, when you know there's that him remembering and they like each at each point of the movie there's like different points of the movie where they explore the scene a little bit more but the scene where Bucky kills uh, Tony Stark's parents and you know he's trying to come out of he's trying to start his new life over again kind of but he's he's with uh with Steve along the way helping him and this kind of felt like that he was remembering what he had done a long time ago and 
I I thought it was quite compelling how they did the whole like when they first introduced Bucky, I was like, wait, is he a bad guy again? You know, when he starts killing people and he's got the Winter Soldier outfit, I was like, no, surely not. And Yeah, that's what that's what I thought, too. I was like, are, then are he, they really doing this again? Yeah, like, yeah. And then he woke up, and then later on in the episode, when you find out the guy that he murdered turns out to be the, the son of this hmm. older guy that he befriends, it's – I just really liked how they did that. And I, I wish they would have brought more of that into the second episode. I feel like they kind of took a break from from much of that. And they really went heavy on the Marvel humor, uh, which is fine. I mean, you know, I, I like the relationship between Bucky and, and Sam and the chemistry there and how they interact with each, with each other. It's, it's quite fun to watch. I just wish that they would have... And I'm sure they will again. I'm sure they'll bring it up later. But I kind of wish they would have explored that further, even if it wasn't as much as the first episode. Um, and, yeah, that I think that would have been nice. And as far as John Walker goes, yeah, he's still a mystery to me because they. it, it seemed like they were going to flesh out his character more at the start of the episode because it starts with him, basically, and yeah. um, and but they he, there's still a lot that we don't know about him and what motivates him and and yeah and I just I found it weird too that sorry not to me to interrupt you but it's just like the way they do it too it's just like this this random lady's like oh but you're definitely qualified for like A B C D E F and you're like wait what like this is what we're doing with this character now like <laughs> yeah and and I mean they go over his like his um you know his record in the military and he's he's obviously got a lot of skills and so i think it was kind of cool to see especially how it started the the title of the episode was called a uh, star spangled man and if you uh i don't know if you caught this but when he runs out into the football field they're playing that song from the very first captain america movie when he's trying to sell mm. these these war bonds and, and such mm. and uh it was it it was interesting to see how they kind of played off of that, and so I'm I'm quite curious to see where they go with it. It ends in an interesting way, I thought, when they're going to revisit uh, Baron von Strucker, I believe, from Civil War. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I'm I'm curious to see what his involvement will be uh, going forward. But yeah, I think even even though I liked WandaVision, um, I I think this is a welcome return to familiar grounds <laughs> with uh <laughs> yeah. with with marvel I, I like when they branch out and do things different but i like seeing you know this kind of show more than the the quirkiness of uh of wandavision because over time that can get kind of old and kind of tiresome but uh but yeah i think yeah, exactly i think so far so good and we'll just see where it goes from here um one thing too i don't know if we've talked about this but kevin feige i believe said recently that they haven't confirmed a second season for any of the shows that are coming out um reason being is they're not really looking at this as a regular series that they're just gonna they're just gonna keep doing a bunch of seasons of these shows they're they're basically he was saying you know they'll do a season if they think it 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 makes sense but sometimes they'll do like a feature film or a special or, you know, they'll just do an actual film on it. Um, so I kind of like that because 
you know, it, it, it tells me that they're not just trying to do a show just to do a show, but they're trying to like tie certain things in together. Or if they think something needs to be fleshed out more than you can in a two hour movie, then they'll do a show or something like that. So, Mm. you know, that that's kind of interesting, but something I wanted to bring up that you just reminded me of as it relates to WandaVision. I just found this out and it kind of blew my mind. Um, I can't remember if she's a showrunner, but she's definitely one of the main people involved in, or was one of the main people involved in WandaVision. I believe her name is Jack Schaefer. Uh, she was recently in an interview, I think it was through, I think Comic Book did an article on this, but she was asked about Mephisto because there were a lot of fan theories um, around the middle towards the end of WandaVision that Mephisto was going to make an appearance, and the reason why is because the twins that Wanda and uh, Vision have, they, I don't remember all the history, but basically the reason that they come into existence is because of Mephisto. I can't remember if it's a deal that she makes with Mephisto or something something related to Mephisto, but he's like a critical, he plays a critical role in like their twin uh kids coming into existence so people were wondering well is Mephisto going to make an appearance you know what's what is this going to be well it turns out that would have been impossible because the showrunner Jack Schaefer was asked in an interview about Mephisto and she was like well I didn't even know who Mephisto was until we started doing the press uh the press interviews on WandaVision and I'm like (laughs) I've heard that are you kidding me are you kidding me and I guess she's the same person that I think it was she was involved with Captain Marvel or one of the more recent Marvel films. Yeah, she was involved with Captain Marvel. Yeah, saying that she doesn't really care about preserving comic book, um, like like relying on the comics because she thinks that there's like some discriminatory histories of the comics and she wants to be more inclusive and stuff. So you have people like her and it's not just her, it's others that are, you know, they're being hired to make these these shows and movies and they either don't know they don't about, know the source material man. about the source yeah. material and they don't care and it's like you know it, that should tell you right there that you shouldn't you shouldn't raise your expectations too high on these shows because if you're someone that likes to if, if you like the comics or you like some of the some of the stuff that's been done before that's had you know been done decades and decades ago a lot of these people don't even know about that, and they yeah, don't even they, care. They have no idea. Yeah, yeah. And um, and and the thing too is, it's like, um, I, and 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 here's the thing. You know, I, I'm very much on board with you know deviating away from the comics if it's ultimately to serve to create a better, to create a stronger narrative, to mm-hmm. basically like build a better story. But like, I really don't think that any of their deviations helped create a better narrative like I, I really don't I think like incorporate I think incorporating Mephisto would have been a better move um both from like just rationalizing the world building aspects of WandaVision and also to just further build on to the MCU I don't especially considering like there's not a whole lot of enthusiasm for this phase of the MCU because it's like mm-hmm. after Endgame it's like well what do you have like what's what's as big as as Thanos well we could bring Mephisto in, but mm-hmm. no, they, they they don't. They like they they might with the new Doctor Strange movie, but I think she is also going to be 
uh, heavily involved with the new Doctor Strange movie. So, and I think I'm, I'm doubtful. I think uh, Ghost Rider has a long history with Mephisto as well, right? Isn't yes, that he how does. he got his how he got his powers? Essentially, he made a deal with him. So yes, you know, I believe he's the main villain of of the Ghost Rider series, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so he would have been quite a interesting villain to bring into the next phase and it's not even just the fact that you had thanos which was a great villain you no longer have iron man you no longer have captain america you know the the two main heroes that really brought this mcu to life are gone so it just seems like you know unless you're gonna i mean i guess they're gonna try to reintroduce fantastic four but i don't really see that holding as much value yeah, I don't in the it. long run, as like Iron Man and Captain America, and I mean even Spider Man, as as good as I've enjoyed, as much as I've enjoyed Tom Holland's Spider Man, it just we've seen it so many times that it's just it doesn't feel fresh anymore. So yeah, it just feels like like another like it like especially with like now I will say I did appreciate that they didn't show like an origin story, but it's like. I agree. If they did like another Spider-Man reboot at this point, I would just be like, Ugh. you know what I mean? Because it's like, it would be like them rebooting the Fantastic Four, like not to the same degree in like, um, like Spider-Man failing, like to the degree of like the Fan Fast Fantastic Four or whatever. But it's just like we did. It's just it's something that's just continuously reoccurring. Yeah. Um. <sighs> yeah. It's. Uh, I don't know. I'm. I will say if if all else fails, at least we have, you know, from like, what was it, 2008 until Endgame, we have a solid collection of movies and stuff to enjoy that even if the rest of the phases turn out to be garbage, hey, at least we have that that we can go back to. Like, see, they they used to be good. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic for the future of the MCU, but I'm also nervous <laughs> because... Just, I don't know, things like things like that don't give me high hopes. And I guess this would be a great segue to uh, talk about the other major comic book, uh, you know, movie making industry, DC Comics. I haven't seen it yet, but recently the the Zack Snyder Justice League uh, came out on HBO Max. And yeah, it's it's gotten a lot of press coverage a lot of people you know giving their thoughts on it again i haven't seen it but spencer you have seen it and mm. yeah what what did you think of what did you think of the snyder cut is it is it I, i've even heard it referred to as one of the greatest comic book movies ever made hell no <laughs> hell no it is not even remotely close to being like Really? It's like what? To contrast that contrast it with like Civil War, it's like it's so ideologically just like it just pales, you know, like in terms of writing, like and I think and, and we're going to be brushing into spoilers here, so uh, I don't know how much you care about spoilers uh, at this point, I, Blake. Um, I don't. I really don't. I'm more of a Marvel nothing, fan nothing anyway. Nothing I'm really going to but... say is going to be drastically huge though. Like it doesn't wildly um in fact, there's not re- like I, I I'm trying to think like off the top of my head like what the most significant thing they that that basically the Snyder cut adds to Justice League that well, wildly changes the plot and I'm like I don't 
I really don't think there is. It, and plus, they're not even really continuing with the uh, with the story with that. Like they're they're doing new yeah. things with different characters, so it doesn't really even matter what happens in this film. That doesn't sound like they're going <laughs> to yeah. explore any of it later on. Yeah, well, I think Warner Bros. Uh, already said that Snyder Cut isn't going to be canon. That they're not going to move <laughs> forward with it. Jeez. Which um, I I know a lot of people think that that's like the wrong move, but I I disagree. I think that's entirely the right move. Um, <laughs> and and namely being so there's so the writing for this movie is really bad. There's a lot of really incoherent plot points. So um, one of them being so Darkseid is essentially the uh, DC equivalent to Thanos, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point in time, he and his like army. Uh, arrived to Earth. Oh, sorry, ended up knocking my mic over. Um, he's just he's just really Earth. into this material, guys. That's how intense this section is going to yeah, be. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, he, they arrive to Earth, and essentially, he ends up losing. He ends up retreating, and it's the only battle, the only planet that he has had to retreat. That basically, it's like the only loss that he's taken in his tenure of like dominating planets. And the reason why Darkseid has never returned to Earth to reclaim it is because he forgot the name of the planet. Oh. He he just forgets, yeah. That's the, <laughs> that's their reasoning for it. Oh. <laughs> like sitting there like fucking what? <laughs> like I sat there, I was like, this is like Game of Thrones level shit where it's like Danny just forgot about the Iron Throne. Like, it's like, <laughs> like literally the creators just sitting there and be like, oh yeah, she just forgot. Like, it's yeah. so, it's so insane. And, um, so I don't think Darkseid is even in the original Josh, Joss Whedon. Uh, no, he is not. Okay. Um, That's what I thought. And, it, and it's funny because they, they do. So Snyder Cut does fix Steppenwolf, who was the original villain of the movie where it's like, he does have a motivation to like conquer Earth, and it's essentially to like appease Darkseid to gain favor back, uh, and to gain favor back with Darkseid. But it's like, okay, then what are Darkseid's motivations? Oh, he just wants to like conquer worlds. That uh, okay? Well, <laughs> it's and... like it's the same problem from the original movie. They just shifted. They just shifted that problem from Steppenwolf to Darkseid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what's kind of interesting, I I watched this. It's like two hours long, but the but Eric July did a like a in depth review of the history of Justice League in the comics, and then he did a brief review of the film. And the the comic section of Justice League is is quite interesting because Darkseid up until recently never never really fought the Justice League. Like he like fought individual heroes. That were in the Justice League, but the Justice League never fought Darkseid until like more recent comics. And they, they, from my understanding anyway, for this movie, they drew more inspiration from it's called the New 52, which is basically a reboot, uh, like a complete reboot of some of the DC comics as far as the Justice League goes. Cause now they're not even really, they're not even trying to stay true to what's been done from like the sixties and, and, and whatnot from justice league. They're just kind of like, uh, we'll just make it up as we go. And it, it seems like from my, from my impression, again, I haven't seen the movie, but just based off of hearing that and then hearing 
your take on this film, it just seems like that is kind of the same feeling as this movie where they're just kind of like, eh, we'll just make it up as we go. And if we stumble along the way, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, it's just, there's, there's so many things. It's like, yes, the Snyder cut does fix problems with justice league, but it inadvertently creates more problems of its own by adding more content. It, it's strange. It's like giving Zack Snyder more material to work with is like, basically increases the risk of him screwing things up like it's it's almost like you need to curb him back like hey like give him as little time as possible in order to screw shit <laughs> up with like the mcu entirely um and, and again i've always found like Zack snyder's like just writing in general for the dcu to be like really bad like um, like how in Man of Steel, yeah, this is like spoiler territory, but that movie's been out for forever. So mm, not really it's like anymore. It's Zod's <laughs> whole motivation to like terraform Earth, um, even though and, and like turn it into Krypton, even though Krypton basically like exploded and Earth is habitable for Kryptonians. Like his whole Zod's whole motivation in Man of Steel is freaking is. It, ridiculous it is stupid <laughs> it is like yeah and then like and then you know the 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 the, the dreaded martha scene and batman martha! <laughs> it's like uh yeah it's I, I i don't i really don't know what people were expecting like if you it, like if you honestly thought that the snyder cut was going to wildly improve justice league like the, the extended versions of lord of the rings movies did for those films like i'm i'm just gonna tell you it, it's it's not it is definitely not worth the four hour watch time yeah yeah i i heard a i want to get your take on this i heard an interesting perspective on the overall length of the film as far as you know regardless of what you think about the snyder cut in general the idea of doing these like longer movies, as long as the content is good, not just to make them longer, mm -hmm. but yeah. some, some of these films, it seems like if they make them longer, it could actually be a good thing in terms of fleshing out these characters more because if, just from what I've been told, some of these characters in this film, although they've, they've definitely been developed better um, than they were in the original version of the film, it still could have been better as far as that goes, but it, it just seems like with some of these films, making it only like two hours long makes it feel way too rushed and makes it easier to make mistakes as, um, but I don't know. What did you think about the format of the film? As far as it being long, do you think that's a good idea to do that when it's needed? Um, or like splitting the movie into different sections where you can hmm. take a break, you know, and come back to it later kind of a thing. Um, I think Justice, I think the real issue that I think a lot of people aren't really touching on is the fact that Justice League needed other films to be established before Justice League. Yeah. Like, it needed more material. Because, again, they, they rushed Justice League out so that they could compete with Marvel. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the whole reason why we got Justice League in the first place. Um, Was because of the fact they wanted to rush it out and put it out and... um. And, and unfortunately, even then, with some of the newer DC, DCU movies that are put out now, it's like they don't really bolster Justice League at all. Yeah. Um, in fact, they kind of create a lot of continuity issues, especially Wonder Woman 84. Um, yeah. But 
I think in the terms of extending movies, like whether it's an intrinsically a good thing or not, um, I I'm more of the on the I'm kind of more of the contention that it's I'd rather the movie be precisely as long as it needs to be. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm fine with having extended you know versions of movies as long as it will produce the best result possible but i don't think that's intrinsically true like i don't think having an extended version of a movie will inherently make it good uh, yeah. and snyder cut definitely taught us that um <laughs> because i think for the longest time because peter jackson and the extended version of lord of the rings everyone's like oh well if you just give directors more time to flush things out the, you know it'll create a better end product and it's like well no it's more about the competency and um so yeah it's uh, i think i mean generally i guess i'm more of a fan of extending movies than not especially if it will help further the narrative but um i i think it's more along the lines of i would rather it be precisely as long as it needs to be yeah yeah i'd, I'd agree with that i mean you don't have to make a movie four hours long just so you can say hey it's four hours long you know, yeah, which I, I feel like that was kind of the gimmick with Snyder cuts. Like, oh, look how long our movie is. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just like it. It there there are a, there's a lot of material in Snyder cut where they just just ex essentially just needlessly prolong scenes from the original film. Like uh like one for example, um there's the scene where um it's towards the end of the film where a guard is trying to get like Sleuther to come out of his cell only to realize that it's some random inmate instead and that basically he's escaped. So the original scene, like the original, like Josh Whedon cut of that scene was like maybe like 20 seconds. It wasn't, it, it was as long as it needed to be. But with like Snyder, he like needlessly prolongs that scene out by like, I think an additional like three or four minutes. It's just stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's not, there's not like, it's not like adding substance to the film it's just needlessly dragging things out yeah 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 I, i'm in no rush to watch it especially on hbo max <laughs> i mean i i tweeted this out the other day but you know if if there was a way i could rent it for like half the price i might but i don't want to spend 15 dollars when on a streaming service when the last time I did that, we got wonder woman 1984 and I regretted my decision, uh, deeply <laughs> for doing that. So, you and know, Mulan. Oh my gosh. You had to bring well, that fortunately, up. Fortunately, well, I never spend money on that, but, uh, well, yeah. I mean, I spend, you know, I have a subscription to Disney plus anyway, so it, it doesn't feel like a waste to me cause there's a lot of good stuff on there. But yeah, I, I watched yeah. the, the live action Mulan and oh my gosh, it's bad. It's, it's yeah. not like, okay, I won't spend too much time into this just because it's not worth it. But if, if you've never seen the original Mulan, if you have no idea what the character is about, you might actually enjoy this movie. There's a healthy amount of action in it. It's, you know, the acting isn't, terrible although in some scenes it kind of is but when you yeah, when you it's selective yeah when you know the story of mulan and when you've seen the original you'll realize wow this is definitely a downgrade from the original version of it and 
Yeah. Quite frankly, a lot of these, not all of them, there have been a couple good ones that I've watched, but some of these Disney live-action movies are just so pointless. Like, what was the point of, hmm. of making The Lion King into a quote-unquote quote live-action? Not even a live-action movie. It's a CGI movie. That's all it is. And they just see... They just did a CGI version of the Lion King and, and, and got shittier voice actors to come in. Like, Well, and, and not just that, one of the things that makes the original Lion King so good is the fact that it is an animated movie and the mm, fact that they yeah. are able to, you know, with the, with the expressions, with the songs, with all the classic stuff you're used to, they're able to flesh out some like, some emotion more whereas in this the, there's mm. like virtually no emotion in it you know there's yeah. they they just all look like actual how actual animals would look and it's like it 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 would be like going to a zoo watching lions for 2 hours that's about as entertaining as, as that movie was for me i mean again you know? the, the scar scene that like the scar scene where he uh he basically kills Mufasa, and you know, the, like the long live the king, essentially. You know, uh, like that that whole scene was super iconic, as like in, mm-hmm. in the animated version, because you saw his facial expressions. You saw, you know, you like his like you don't get that same amount of personification. You don't get that same expression of hatred towards Mufasa in the CGI version. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't get that. No. No. So, you know, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm tired of them remaking these films and it's obvious why they're doing it. They're just trying to milk it for, for all they can make, um, all the money they can make off of it. But it's just, it's so dumb at this point, you know? And again, with Mulan, what just takes the joy out of the film is it's way too serious. And not just that, that's not the only issue with it. I mean, the, they they change certain key things about the film from the original version. I just don't like uh, one of the biggest things they've changed from the live action version is the fact that Mulan is just naturally amazing at everything. She's she's the literal definition of a Mary Sue. It's in it's this her film. chi, man. What do you mean? It's, yeah, it's her chi, and I, I it's it's almost if you if you really look at it, it's kind of ironic what the what they're doing with it because on the one hand, you know, like the scene with the mountain climb, they're then they're carrying these buckets full of water up to the mountain, and she just so easily surpasses the males, even though the the men are just you can easily see they're much better built physically than she is. She's so small, and yet she's just able to do it because of her chi. But it's like if you really think about that, they're trying to say, well, she's just so good, and and these these people are just putting her, a woman down, but she's only able to really do what she's doing because of chi, not because of the fact that she's a woman. So it kind of like resiliency, her determination, yeah, you know, her, yeah, no, none of those admirable character traits. It's the yeah. fact that she's just inherently freaking good because the plot demands it. Yeah, yeah, and like with the original version, Mulan's an awesome character because she's not just inherently great at everything. She she has to work for it. She has to really very relatable. Know, yeah, give it give it her all, and it's much easier to connect with that kind of a character than someone that. I mean, literally, like, one of the first scenes of the movie, she's just out swinging like crazy out in the field, and, you know, she's just training and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't remember seeing that in the original cut. And, you know, yeah. sometimes when you when you change something a little bit, it makes sense. 
sometimes, oftentimes, especially with movies like this, it makes no sense whatsoever. And speaking of what makes, I know this is basically a movie review galore on Wired In today. We've we reviewed quite a bit of stuff, <laughs> but yeah. um, you know, speaking of things that don't make sense, what is the point of that witch character in the film? Like, what does she add to the plot? You know, she's the she's, only the only reason she is in that film is to prevent Mulan from getting killed by that arrow. Basically, that's the only reason. And because the first scene that she's in, she's you know helping slaughter the the civilization within their uh, within their kingdom, so to speak, and you know then all of a sudden she starts to feel sorry for Mulan because she's a woman and they're not you know they're not treating her right because she's a woman and she's like well I'm I'm not treated right either but you don't really see that I mean you only see one scene where that witch lady is kind of like. You know, not to mention she can transform into anything that she wants. Like, yeah, she can transform herself into, and she does transform herself into a dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty positive, right? In the uh, in the one scene where she yeah. infiltrates that city or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she could definitely infiltrate. She could basically transform herself as a dude and like live, however, like you know, an oppression-free life. Like I don't. It's it's, it's so weird to me if if women are supposedly so oppressed in the in you know the universe of Mulan, you know, and she has the ability to just transform herself into somebody that can not be opp- easily oppressed. Then why doesn't she do that? Yeah. It, it's just, it's just so silly. It, it's, it's hard to care about any of the characters and yeah, I, I mean, they, I guess they take a couple scenes that happened in the original and do it in this one, but it's just, it, it's not really done great. And it just, yeah, it just doesn't i don't know it's if you really liked the original version of mulan i would steer clear of this unless you already have a disney plus subscription and you're like oh i don't have anything else to do which is <laughs> basically why i watched laugh. the film i had nothing else to do that day so i decided to watch it um i, I sure wasn't going to pay 30 bucks for the premiere access when that was a thing but oh, yeah oh no yeah yeah so yeah that's uh that's that's fun but yeah, let's let's kind of move on to uh, different topics. Um, you wanted to touch on, um, I think it was Cyberpunk leaving, or one of the game designers leaving CDPR. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm trying to remember precisely what his name was. I think it was like Andrezev uh, Zawaditsky or something like that. Uh, I could be entirely botching that main name, so I apologize if wow if I slaughtered that. But racist. Um, I know, right? But, um, but yeah, no, he, uh, he was a senior game designer for, he, he originally started off doing QA testing for the Witcher three and, um, and then I guess kind of climbed the ranks and eventually landed himself a, uh, a senior game designer position for, for cyberpunk. And, um, it, it, and it's, and it's, and it's funny because I've seen a lot of people, um, essentially kind of giving, it, him in particular, but like also a lot of senior game designers that are uh, senior game developers that are leaving the studio, like a lot of, a lot of, um, like a lot of slack because of the fact that you know it's like they had to, they had to undergo a lot of public scrutiny for had like this the overall state of the game. Mm-hmm. But it's like it, it, it's funny because there was this one tweet where someone was like, you know, shame on CDPR upper management. It's like 
dude, this guy was a senior game designer for arguably the biggest release of 2020. How is he not upper management? Like, <laughs> and, and, and again, the key responsibilities of a senior game designer, I mean, he was responsible for like essentially balancing the, the game and the economy, which it, it's ironic considering that balance essentially doesn't exist in that game. Um, and then not to mention, you know, just like, uh, also, uh, I had to highlight too, because I, I made a whole video on this, um, that that UI and crafting inventory system that like a majority of uh, players essentially hated in the game. Yeah, he was responsible for making it. And now he's just abandoning shit. So, I mean, and again, that whole timetable of, you know, the of the post-release dev support. Yeah, that's that's gonna be a little bit screwy now, especially if, uh, especially if more developers continue to follow the same trend, if they just keep you know abandoning the ship, because again, that's that's the same trend we saw with Anthem, where it released in the absolute horrendous state that it did, and then you had all these senior you know people who were responsible for essentially developing the game just abandoning ship, and then. And then at a later point, Bioware just decided, oh well, it's not worth the it's not worth the investment anymore, so we might as well just can it and move on to the next thing. Hmm. And there's just there's just so much mess with uh, <laughs> with Cyberpunk with CDPR. I mean, it, it's yeah. kind of crazy. We we've talked about this numerous times, but it's it's crazy to see how a studio that once was just beloved and regarded as like the the gold standard for you know making these kind of well not necessarily the gold standard but one of the gold standards for making like these amazing uh these amazing projects and you know really treating their customers well and and you know making sure to make things that people would like and you know when when this game comes out i mean it's just been an absolute disaster and uh, not only that but the the marketing material everything about everything surrounding the game was a complete lie like they wouldn't allow uh they wouldn't allow content creators to do uh base to show base console footage they they wouldn't give out uh base console review copies and not only that but they for PC uh, content creators, they only allowed them to show pre-approved footage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty crazy, you know. But maybe uh, I I think I know what the solution here though is. Uh, I think you know if if they just would have had more of Alana Pierce's involvement with this game, I think it would have turned out to be a real oh, real yeah. gold mine. You know, cause, cause I love it, how it, she's it, abandoning shit now too. She's like, "Oh no, hey, don't don't pay attention to all the things that I've said in the past about the game as I'm depositing my fat wads of CDPR money <laughs> in my bank account." Yeah, no one, no one, pay attention to that. Yeah, I, I am so over her. I used to, uh, I can't remember why I started watching some of her videos because she did like different critiques on mm. on different uh, games or something like that. I, I don't I don't well, remember. Well she was uh, originally with Rooster Teeth and then so and I think she was also with IGN. Um she, she used to be with IGN too several years ago. But anyway, yeah, I used to 
Uh, I, I I didn't watch much, but I watched some of her of her stuff, and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, she offered a different perspective on on certain things, and uh, you know, it was just it was kind of interesting. But over time, especially with this, I mean, I've just gotten more and more tired of of people like that that just shill for things, and they they try to act like you know, oh, I'm I'm totally biased or unbiased. Um, but then, and then they'll say, you know, I, I think one of her recent ones, she was like, well, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm biased against this, uh, you know, brand, but I'm still going to offer my, offer my two cents. And, you know, she, I, I just, I just can't stand people like that on the, they'll try to say one thing, but then they'll do something else. Yeah. And they try to, they try to make themselves look like they're objective when they're not. And... Well, and it's like, and, and, and my contention is, you know, I'm, I'm not even really mad about, you know, um, somebody shilling for the game and being transparent about it. That's that's not really what I have an issue with. It's more of like just the, I think it's more along the lines of her trying to come across as like a, a typical, ordinary, um, you know, gamer. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's it seems She's not. incredibly dis- disingenuous. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, especially considering that she regularly chats with people who are extremely prominent in the voice acting and uh, game development industry. It's just, it's, it seems, it, it seems incredibly disingenuous on that level. Yeah. Um, but it's, and again, this is the, and, and anytime you ever bring up, bring this up, it's like, oh, well, you're just, you know, that's, that's a, you know, you're just, that's a baseless criticism. You know, you're just, you know, you're she clearly, you know, states in, you know, in multiple videos that she uh, discloses her bias. And it's like, again, that's not what I'm criticizing. It's just, I think what people have to realize, and this is this is a trope with, with uh, a good majority of content creators, is that I think they are well-intentioned with the way they go about creating their videos. But when you start getting these, like, sponsored videos and you get paid to talk about the game in certain aspects... I think people don't realize, like, because in their eyes, they don't perceive it as, oh, I'm being bought out to essentially shill for this game. It's more of, oh, I'm defending my friends. Mm-hmm. Because, again, this is this is how they buy you over. They they essentially, you know, they, they, they reach out by, you know, hey, you know, kind of maybe offering you a, um, a, a beta key, you know, to, to do a review copy on, on the beta. But it's like, oh, but we, you know... We definitely want you to be totally transparent. And then over time, you know, they start, you know, once you start kind of dealing with them on a more regular basis, they start being really chummy with you and start, you know, offering you, you know, perks and, you know, even offering you to fly out to events and conferences and stuff. And pretty soon, I mean, you, you're you friends with them and you wouldn't want to say anything negative about your friends, would you? Mm-hmm. No. So when so when it's time to review a big major release like Cyberpunk, you don't want to piss off your friends. You want to say positive things about the, the hard work that they've done. Because you want to keep but, those perks alive, you know? Yep. <laughs> Vested interest. Yep. And this is what I'm saying. I think people like Alana, they don't realize that they are so heavily bought out, that they have this much of a vested interest in the game to do well. No, I I agree. I mean, it's it's just it's just ridiculous, and I don't I don't have time 
for people like that, you know? <laughs> Even if they mean yeah. well, and I'm not saying that she doesn't, I just, I don't know. There's there's a gazillion other YouTubers that offer better perspectives on things that are actually, you know, more more like an ordinary gamer, if you will, than, than that. So, it's like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. But, um... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... Anyway, I think that's going to, well, actually, hold on. Before we before we call it good, there was one other story I wanted to briefly mention here. Um, kind of going along the same lines of what we've talked about before with uh, Last of Us and other projects being made into, into films and TV series. This one's actually being made into a, I believe, a full-length film. But uh, Sony and Sony Pictures and PlayStation Productions are developing a film adaptation of the hugely successful action-adventure game Ghost of Tsushima with Chad Stahelski attached to direct. Chad Stahelski, he's the guy that's been directing the uh, John, Wick, John Wick films with uh, Keanu Reeves. And he's been, he's been tapped to direct this film. I guess the game has sold over 6.5 million copies since the July 2020 debut, which is that's a, that's a pretty healthy number of, uh, of sales. Yeah, I'd say. So um, I can't see where they're when they're expecting it to come out, but um, but it should be coming out in the next couple of years. But but yeah, I guess this is a new thing that's being made, and it just kind of made me think of I I have this game. I've played a little bit of it. I need to play more of it. But it it just kind of I'm not quite sure what to think about this because it reminds me of kind of the last of us as far as taking something that's already made as like a cinematic experience like the last of us games are and turning it into a tv show or a movie it's like what's really the point i mean that this game is really good it's a great it's a great game uh ghost of shishima but i'm almost wondering why why bother making it into a movie because it's already it's already made in this like cinematic way where it's it's really yeah, exactly. developed well. So I don't understand what this will add to what we've already seen, especially a game that came out not even a year ago and they're already making a movie out of it. I don't know that unless it's like going to be a sequel or it's going to do things that we or never saw in the game. Yeah, if it's something like that, then OK, I, I can kind of see that. But if it's just going to be a remake, but just like a severely condensed version of the game in a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour time frame, I don't understand what the point of that is. Even if it is made well, even if it's, you know, not made by Neil Druckmann, uh, you know... God that, help us if it's all, made by Neil Druckmann. <laughs> all that aside... God save us. I, I'm just... Conf- I, I don't know. I It kind of plays along with my frustrations about things like remaking Disney movies into live action. It's just... I get tired of seeing just rehashes of stuff that's already been done, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. Just make something new. Make something we've never seen before, and that's good. Why Why rehash stuff that's either already been made or, you know, or that's a game or something like that? I, I don't. I don't know. I'm not super excited about it, even if I like the game. I'm not like, oh, yay, I can't wait for a Ghost of Tsushima movie. Well, it's like, again, I mean, you know, we had, you know, 1917, you know, Ford versus Ferrari. I mean, uh, Joker, to a degree, was uh, a heavy deviation from what's been established with his character in the past. So it's like, 
yeah, I mean, original ideas can be, <laughs> you know, it's like, you don't have to rely on established IPs in order to, you know, create compelling art pieces. Just, like, take the time and, you know, effort and energy to offer something new, because that's what people essentially want. Like, I mean, like, I mean, yeah, it's a quick and easy buck to just revamp something, but, I mean, that flavor of the month's gonna get old eventually. I, I feel like, especially with, you know, the Mulan live-action movie and everything, I think people are just sick and fed up with remakes and yeah. redos. It's just, it's just, just make something new. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I agree, you know, and I think just to kind of wrap it up here, you know, I think the problem is, you know, when they started making film adaptations of, of books, like with Lord of the Rings, which obviously turned out great, uh, Harry Potter, which obviously turned out pretty successful. They, they, there was this, there was this cycle of, okay, we need to find the next big book series or book to make a movie out of. And so they mm -hmm. went to like Hunger Games, Divergent, you know, things like that. And some of them, some of them turned out hugely successful, but we've gotten to this point where we're just so used to it that it's like, okay, now we need to find something else that's already been made so we can make a movie version of that. And I'm not saying that they that that's all that happens. I mean, obviously there are some original stuff that's put out, but I'm just I'm just over it. I'm tired of the we've got to you know rehash something just because it's not been made in this particular format. Well, if it's been made successfully in that format, then maybe just leave it alone, <laughs> at least for a few years. And so allow... yeah, stop destroying the source material with you know your new installment of things yeah at least give people time to forget about it and then reintroduce it to like the next generation you know give it at least a few years as opposed to like you know within not even one year oh hi by the way we're gonna we're gonna do this oh uh, it's yeah hopefully hopefully we're nearing the end of that of that phase i hope so but uh yeah i guess we'll we'll see what happens with all that but thanks everybody for tuning in today on our show we really enjoyed having you here with us we will catch you back next time have a great rest of your day and take care see you guys